0: We thank you again so much for this time to be together To think about your will for us Lord we know that the devil Is prowling around as a lion Seeking whom he may devour And he has many human agents at his Disposal and much of this Is taking place in the media we ask for Discernment that we might know Which areas are safe for us Spiritually which areas In this world we can seek you And escape from the traps Of the devil in Jesus name Amen Welcome to 11th Hour Dispatch. This is Todd Gardner. We continue today with some additional excerpts from the Media on the Brain DVD series, educating people about how the entertainment industry and even the relationship with our cell phones is reprogramming our brains in negative ways. This is one of my favorite presentations to do. I used to teach U.S. history, government, and economics. And when I taught in these areas, I would challenge the young people with the idea that the media culture and the advertising industry does not necessarily have your best interest at heart, to put it mildly. I enjoy talking about and teaching and learning about how power works, how elites throughout history have managed societies. And you'll see some of that in this seminar today. You'll find that a lot of the things in this session... Actually, you don't even necessarily need to have a particular religious conviction about. As a free-thinking, autonomous human being, you might object very much to some of the things that you're going to hear about how manipulation takes place in a society. Edward Bernays, he is the founder of modern advertising. So if you want to blame somebody for why we have advertising today and in public relations, in this whole media culture of manipulating the minds of the masses, Edward Bernays is the one that started it all in America. He was an Austrian-American fellow, actually a nephew of Sigmund Freud. So he really knew how the human mind operates as the grandfather of public relations in America today. A hundred years ago, nearly, he had tremendous amounts of influence in these areas of, of shaping public opinion. For example, he worked in propaganda for the United States government in World War I and actually wrote what became the, the textbook for Nazi propaganda in World War II. During his time in America, he was hired by the cigarette companies in one case. This is just an anecdotal story to give you the kind of influence this man had. The cigarette companies said, We want women to smoke in America because we could sell a lot more cigarettes. If women would start smoking too in addition to men so they hired Edward Bernays Mr. Bernays we know that you are a master of the public mind please come to us and and, and show us how we can get women to smoke he put his genius mind to it and he said I've got it what he did was he hired the suffragettes these were the women that marched for the women's right to vote very uh, well admired group of, of people standing for liberty and good things women's right to vote not everybody liked them but a lot of women in America looked up to them Edward Bernays said, I'm going to take these women, hire them to put one of your cigarettes in the cuff of their blouse. So he takes the cigarette, gives it to the women, and they say, okay, what do we do with these? Well, when you get to the climax of your parade, this is what I want you to do. He told them what to do. The women are marching, suffragettes, right to vote, 19th Amendment. It wasn't called that yet, but at the end of the parade, they take out the cigarette. They light it, they smoke it. Just as Edward Bernays told them to do, they stand like this with their cigarette and they shout, torches of freedom. He's now associated in the public mind, women smoking with the true ideals of American liberty and the women's right to vote. He's got uh, celebrities up there smoking as women. (gasps) Women now can feel liberated. And women started smoking in America. America also known for being the one behind the campaign to put bacon and eggs together for breakfast. The reason Americans believe bacon and eggs go together is because of his advertising campaigns. Immense power that he had all the way back in the 1920s. He wrote a book called Propaganda, actually charting and explaining what kind of influence and power that the media elite have, that these advertisers have over the minds of the masses. I want to give you a few quotations from Edward Bernays in his book, Propaganda. He said, If we understand the mechanism and motives of the group mind, is it not possible to control and regiment the masses according to our will without their knowing about it? Well, that sounds a little creepy. Yes, we, he said, can regiment the masses if we understand how the group mind works according to our will and they won't even know about it. He goes on speaking of the conscious and intelligent manipulation. That's an important word. I used that word earlier. That's actually from Edward Bernays. The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds molded, our tastes formed, our ideas suggested, largely by men we have never heard of. Now that's a chilling statement coming from the founder of modern public relations. He says that the conscious and intelligent manipulation of our habits and our opinions by people we've never even heard of, Madison Avenue, the the media elite, if you will. There's one more quotation I want to share from Edward Bernays about the power that they have. In almost every act of our daily lives... Whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or our ethical thinking, we are dominated by the relatively small number of persons who understand the mental process and the social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires which control the public mind. Even in our ethical thinking, our social conduct, how we do business, politics, all of it, the wires of our minds are very much being pulled by these people who understand the public mind, who understand how the group mind works. Now, is he overstating his case? Let's take a look. I think he's understating it. Because given the fact of the tools he had back then in the 1920s when this book was written, his book was called Propaganda, today the media elite have multi-billion dollar high-tech 21st century mass manipulation tools at their disposal if he could say that a hundred years ago nearly how much more power do they have today but many americans we kind of get in denial we're a bit naive we say i'm an american i have freedom how can you say that there is such control over me we have a free press we have freedom in america and i would say According to one philosopher who wrote the following, None are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. Because it may be true, and it is true, that to a great degree we have external political freedom in America and in Canada. To a great degree we have a lot of freedom here in North America. But the question is not about your religious freedom and your right to vote. The question is, is your mind free? We want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I was listening to my favorite material possession, my iPod. Second only to my own personal Bible, which has my notes in it. But I love the iPod because I can put my Bible right on there. Many people would be their iPhone. You can listen to the Bible as you go about your business. You can listen to sermons, conferences, books. I was listening to a book called Mind, Character, and Personality. I came across a statement that absolutely shocked me. This, again, was from an author from the 19th century. People had insight back then that we just don't have today. And in this book, this following quotation was stated, and I had to pause my iPod and listen to it again. I was like, wait a minute, what did they just say? Through the channel of mesmerism, and that's another word for hypnotism, Satan comes more directly to the people of this generation and works with that power, which is to characterize his efforts near the close of probation. Now, close of probation is, uh, is language that you don't hear thrown around that much today. Pro- the probationary time is the time period that we have until the very end of time, and then Jesus will come. So it's basically the time we have to make a decision for or against Christ in these last days and to share the message of, of the gospel, the everlasting gospel. So the, what, what this quote is saying is near the end of that time. So I believe that's right now. I believe we're in the last days right now. Near the end of that time... Satan will use mesmerism. So I'm going, hmm, that's an interesting prediction. Is it possible that Satan is using hypnotism today for his ends? And by the way, why would it be Satan's methods? Why don't we have evangelists get up before large groups of people and and use hypnotic methods to get them to accept the gospel? Well, of course we don't do that because hypnotism doesn't end run around the person's reason and self-control and their own autonomy. The, 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 The method of hypnotism is a brainwashing, manipulative technique that doesn't allow the person freedom of choice. And so that would be one of Satan's methods, not one of God's. Now, is it possible, I asked, I wanted to know how they do hypnotism today. You remember in the olden days, they'd swing a watch in front of your eyes, right? They don't do it that way anymore. Today, according to the use of light and sound technology with hypnosis, according to Dr. Stephen Freetag, today, light and sound do the work for deep relaxation in a fraction of time of traditional methods by using specific frequencies of audio and visual input. So we use light and sound. We use a frequency of light to get somebody under a hypnotic trance. Satan will use hypnotism near the close of probation. Well, now, I don't know a lot of people that go to a hypnotist. I don't know hardly anybody that goes to a hypnotist. I know a lot of people, though, that are being induced into an altered state of consciousness by a flashing frequency of light. And what is that? If you drive down the road on a dark evening in the winter and you see this blue glow in the living room of the homes of America, this flashing screen, what is that? That is the television. Let's take a look at the brain and see if we can make sense of this and confirm whether this is true or not. I want to talk about different brain wave patterns that you can be in, states of consciousness, if you will. If you're in beta, what's called beta waves, that means that your brain waves are in high frequency. It means that they are, that your brain is on. You're, you're really thinking. You've got your critical thinking going. You've got your moral filter up. You're exercising self control. Those are called beta waves. Now, you can also slip down into a more relaxed state of mind, and that's called an alpha wave pattern, where you, if you're entering into, say, new age meditation, you're going to hum like this, you know, you're getting into this very relaxed mindset. That is a highly suggestible, dreamy, hypnotic state of mind, according to the science. Now, if you read in the Journal of Cognitive Liberty the following, you'll see how television can actually get you down into these alpha waves out of your beta waves. Psychophysiologist Thomas Mulholland found that after just 30 seconds of watching television, the brain begins to produce Alpha waves, which indicates torpid, almost comatose rates of activity. Alpha brain waves are associated with unfocused, overly receptive. There's an important word: states of consciousness. A high frequency alpha wave does not normally occur when the eyes are open. In fact, Mulholland's research implies that watching television is neurologically analogous to staring at a blank wall. I should note that the goal of hypnotists is to induce a slow brain wave state. Alpha waves are present during the light hypnotic state used by hypnotherapists for suggestion therapy. So you just heard it. When you're watching television, within 30 seconds, you go from beta down into alpha, and you're undergoing suggestion therapy. You're in a highly receptive state of consciousness. And the reason it does this, by the way, have you ever watched somebody watch TV? That's entertaining right there. Walk into a room where somebody's watching TV, especially a dark room you'll notice it. And let's say the TV's here, the wall is here, and their couch is here. So they're vegged out on watching the TV. First thing you'll notice is on the wall behind them what's happening. There's a flash. About every three seconds there's a flash and what is that flash from? Well if you come and look at the television you'll notice that say they're watching a TV show and a guy you know gets out of the car you know the camera shows the door close then the camera shows the guy's face then the camera shows the guy walking this way toward the door then the camera, a different angle shows the hand going like this and literally every three seconds on average in theatrical style television there is a frame of reference change so it's highly fa- rapidly paced like like uh, Dr. Christakis talked about so then, you know, he knocks on the door, then the camera shows the dog, then the one guy's talking, then the other guy's talking, then the one guy's talking, and they keep the dialogue very quick. This is not the same in documentaries. In a documentary, you, the, the guy you know has a thought that takes him 20 seconds to express, or uh, say you're watching a sermon, or you're the Media on the Brain DVDs. There's not a rapid frame of reference change every three seconds constantly doing that. Plus, with a documentary or a seminar or a sermon like this, the frontal lobe is being activated, the beta wave are being uh, turned on because the information is frontal lobe in nature rather than being limbic in nature and and inducing emotional reactions. So all of that from last session coming back into, into this session, it affects everybody, some people more, especially the advertisements. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com or write to us at 11333 Bacchus Road, Lakeview, Michigan, 48850. The average child beholds 200,000 acts of violence and 79,500 scenes of a sexual nature on television before they reach adulthood. And that doesn't even count video games. But it's not like I'm going to go out and do what I see acted out on the screen, so we say. Well, that old excuse doesn't hold up to the latest science. Recent research actually shows that what the eyes see, the brain interprets as if you are engaged in the act yourself. At every church I speak at, folks say the same thing. Scott, why didn't anybody tell us this before? So, folks, grab a pencil and write this down. Media on the Brain. It's a six-DVD series that will arm you with the vital information on the undeniable effects of entertainment media and how to break free. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com, use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. The three biggest events in the history of redemption... One, the Exodus experience. Two, the first coming of Christ. And three, the soon second coming of Christ. Well, What do all three of these have in common? Pharaoh, throw all the baby boys in the Nile. Herod, kill the babies in and around Bethlehem. Well, what about today as we anticipate the second coming? The attack is on once again, not only through the annihilation of 50 million aborted babies, but the media and the schools are targeting our kids. Any parents with children in the home need to know this. Write down the DVD title and share it with them right away. It's called How to Raise the Remnant. Now more than ever, parents are in desperate need of solid biblical counsel to guide us back to God's plan for raising godly children in these last days. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com and use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Wonderful, merciful Savior Precious Redeemer and Friend Who would have thought that a the souls of men Oh, you rescue the souls of men This is the the reality. When we are watching this, and this is why the Journal of Cognitive Liberty says, realizing that viewers automatically enter a trance state while watching television, you are in a trance. Marketers, that means advertisers, began designing commercials that produce unconscious emotional states or moods within the viewer. The aim of commercials is not to appeal to the rational or conscious mind, which usually dismisses advertisements, but rather to implant moods that the consumer will associate with the product when it is encountered in real life. Now, it gets even more serious because it's not not just observed in the science that this is what's happening to the brain, but if you actually look at the big advertisers like Ernest Dichter, he's the one that, that created the concept of a focus group, and he actually ran an institute called the Institute for Motivational Research. Advertisers want to know, what is it that motivates us? Is it the sex drive? Is it fear? Is it insecurity? What is it? And we, we can tap into that, and we can get them to buy the product. Well, in 1946, he founded the Institute for Motivational Motivational research and a document was leaked out of this in a couple years after that that sort of described what they were doing in this institute. This was a top secret document that was leaked out and it says the course, the training course that they're giving students, is an adventure into the mental frontiers that will challenge even the most stalwart individual. You will learn how to slow thought waves and enter the Alpha and others. But you get the point here. The point here is we are going to deliberately teach you how to alter states of consciousness. Why would advertisers be interested in that? Well, because they know that they can more get you to do what they want you to do if your beta waves aren't on, your critical thinking moral filter isn't up. If they can get you down and in that trance state, they can get stuff in there that will make you do things you wouldn't have otherwise done. I appreciate their honesty here. They say, techniques uh, they, we're going to give you techniques that will put your newly, required, newly acquired secret knowledge to work for you. Initiation into the psychological concepts and manipulative stratagems of the art course often comes as a shock to those naive individuals. 36% of all previous candidates dropped out in disgust within the first three days. These are squeamish types of people that aren't suited for the psychological demands of this fast-paced, secretive business. They're very honest and open when speaking to their own. Now, if you're familiar with the big controversy of the post-World War II era in the movies, it was subliminal messages. We didn't know they were doing this about the alpha waves until much later, but people were caught slipping subliminal messages into the movies to make you go buy popcorn and whatnot. And, and people have questioned whether that actually worked or not. The latest studies have shown absolutely that subliminal messaging has a powerful effect. There's a, there's a good documentary on this called The Home Hypnotist put out by a great group of people called Little Light Studios. You can actually get that at um, beltoftruthministries.com. And they've shown definitively... Uh, the the studies have shown that these things these subliminal messages do have an effect the sexual subliminal stuff by the way don't study it because you'll see stuff you didn't want to see just a quick note on that don't google subliminal messages and start getting interested in studying that it's it's, it's highly inappropriate but this is what they do and in fact 95% of visuals Even hidden visuals are picked up by the subconscious mind. So subliminal messages do actually have an effect. Now my contribution to the discussion is a leaked document that I found online. This was actually mailed to Dr. Eldon Taylor many years ago and it was published in his book, Mind Programming. I don't endorse all of this stuff in there, but this has been out and available. But I want to share it with you so that you can see what these insiders have, the way that they've talked about their advertising. This is a leaked training document. or or rather a sales pitch document on how they do subliminal messaging. So it's an actual cigarette company explaining how they do subliminal messaging. It's an advertising group doing it for a cigarette company. They write the following. The ad itself seems innocent enough to conscious interpretations. A couple of young lovers enjoying a quiet lakeside sunset and a cigarette. Hardly enough emotional pull for one to risk the dangers of cancer. So these advertisers are showing an ad that they've done with the cigarette company, and they're saying, you know what? To the conscious interpretation, this is really not going to get people to buy cigarettes and risk cancer. How can we get them to risk cancer? How can we get into the subconscious mind to get them to buy the cigarettes? They say they use a subliminal selling strategy for Kent Cigarettes that has been based on a variation of our top secret hell-sell theory. They say it's an emotional hook that we've cast over and over again in varying forms for a variety of clients. Religious beliefs and feelings about death stir deeper emotions than the frequently used sexual strategies. So they're going to use the hell-sell theory. What is the hell-sell theory? Well, they go on and say, In today's violence-saturated world, goodness and protection or self-preservation are subconsciously sought incessantly. What we do, so what we the advertisers do, is we promise salvation and protection through product consumption from the very anxieties we instigate. So they're going to instigate some anxieties in you subconsciously. We struck emotional gold. Variations of the good versus bad strategy sell a variety of products for us as well as our competitors. So how do they do it? Now by the way, if I saw somebody on the internet pointing these things out saying, see, it's a subliminal message, I'd I'd be highly skeptical. I wouldn't pass this along to you. But this is the actual people who produce the ad telling you, here's how we hid subliminal messages in our ad. It says, notice their joined hands. And note that their hands form the silhouette of a devil's face, very similar in shape to the man's facial silhouette. Next to the man's head is the silhouette of the joined hands. They look very similar. The point of the man's hair looks a lot like the top thumb. The nose looks a lot like the the longer finger coming down. The long chin looks a lot like the other finger coming around at the bottom of the hand-holding image. So what we have here is what they call a devil's face. Now, I wouldn't have looked at that and said, you know, I think that's a devil's face and shared it with audiences. But they're saying we're hiding a devil's face here in our image. They go on and explain how they do subliminal messaging. we have spiders here imply usage of hidden webs and snares being snared by Satan, being caught up in a web of death and despair and so on and so forth. They also show that they're using, wearing red tops and the color red is associated with the devil and hell and people's minds. And so that's also a fear thing. They explain how they use green in the, in the imagery, green being associated with witches and Halloween and other scary things. Speaking of scary things, there's little demon faces hidden in the imagery. In the man's cheekbone, there's a uh, little, little skull-looking face and another scary-looking demon face in his arm. Now, why are they doing this? They go on and explain. It says, By now, it should be obvious that the viewer is in a bad situation. We've activated subconscious, instinctual, self-preservation channels to the max, all within a matter of seconds, the turning of a page. Most people would do just about anything to avoid such a hellish situation. This is where Kent Cigarettes comes in. The ad stresses the word good. The word is aligned above itself three times. This visual emphasis on good makes it stand out and be associated with the Kent cigarettes. By placing the viewer in a bad situation while promising them goodness with Kent, we've elevated the image of Kent from mere cancer sticks into portable packs of protection, magically endowed with soul-saving capabilities. Now, you might imagine they are overselling their strategy a little bit here, but the point is not how effective this is. The point is that they are trying to do it. So you might doubt whether this is actually having as big of an effect as they claim. That's not what I'm talking about. I want you to know how advertisers, how these big-moneyed media elite, think about us and how they try and attempt and use methods to manipulate. They go on, The true beauty of this is that the consumer actually pays to be brainwashed while we corporate fat cats laugh all the way to the bank. Now, what is the aim of Advertisers. If an advertiser is trying to get you to buy something, what are they actually doing? The first thing they're doing, actually, is they want us to feel inadequate, insecure, incomplete in some way. So the first thing they're selling us is actually discontentment. They show an image of somebody who's more beautiful, somebody who's got more stuff, a guy who all the ladies like or whatever, somebody more attractive and and, and all of a sudden I don't feel so good about myself. I don't have that product and I'm not as happy as that guy on the screen. So we get these feelings within us of discontentment and then they want to make you buy the product to fulfill the need that you have, the perceived need that you have. According to one advertiser in the book Youth Culture 101, we read We've taken a page from Satan's book says an advertising executive We've taken a page from Satan's book Find a point of weakness and lust in every man, woman, and child and target that weakness to make them want to buy the product. Wow Very clearly, the more media we are consuming, the more we are being advertised to, the more of this is that is happening Continuing on, the average 10-year-old is watching 50 hours of food and beverage commercials in a year. $10 billion a year is spent by the food industry. That's a, dollar, a million dollars an hour, every hour, all day, all night, all year. A million dollars an hour being spent advertising the food industry. And of course, how many of those... Advertisements are for healthy, whole food sources of nutrients. Kaiser Family Foundation did a study and found that 0% of the commercials are for fruits and vegetables. So, of course, the kids are being advertised to with every manner of unhealthy food that's going to be taking its toll upon them. Richard Winter, in the excellent book, Still Bored in a Culture of Entertainment, says the following. What does the advertising industry do to you? Its endless commercials breed in you discontent with your house, your car, your body, your clothes. In old-fashioned biblical language, it inspires you to covet. It promises you satisfaction, peace, meaning, and happiness, but only if you get your needs met now. Children learn that they are the most important person in the universe, that impulses should not be denied, that pain should not be tolerated, and that the cure for any kind of pain is a product. They learn a weird mix of dissatisfaction and entitlement. With the message of ads, we are socializing children to be self-centered, impulsive, and addictive. To obtain your very own DVD set of Media on the Brain, visit beltoftruthministries.org or call them at 616-238-5058.